Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. Do y'all want to talk about some spooky stuff? (laughs) Do you want to talk about ghosts? My guest, Allegra Rumbo, and I developed our relationship through mutual interest, obsession, (laughs) with these subjects. (laughs) I met Allegra in her role as a middle school science teacher, but she has shifted her focus to some seriously intoxicating travel photography. Her work and this conversation keeps bringing me back to the concept of genius loci, or the spirit of a place. Another term I learned of recently in the book, Witch Hunt, A Traveler's Guide to the Power and Persecution of the Witch by Kristen J. Soleil is psychogeography. This refers to our psychological experience of a geographical location most readily accessed by allowing oneself to wander and explore a new place, free of any agenda. Some of my most memorable travel experiences involve this kind of magically meaningless wandering. My realization is that this surrender allows me to have an emotional encounter with the living soul of a place that might otherwise be unavailable to me. Forming this type of relationship, be it with a city or just a swath of natural land, feels so fortifying to me. Although, I must say, in my experience, some places have stronger personalities than others. New Orleans immediately springs to mind. With its flickering gas lamps, mossy, twisted trees, and regular sightings of for sale signs in front of Garden District mansions that read, Haunted. Once this city gets her hooks in you, it's hard to stay away. So what of the energy that accumulates in a place? The energy of birth, death, and tragedy? I was lucky enough to visit what's known as one of the most haunted places in the South for a private tour recently, the Octagon Hall in Bowling Green, Kentucky. This was the Caldwell family's home in the mid-19th century, and later became a Civil War-era hospital and soldier hideout. One of the most well-known active spirits of the hall is that of Mary Caldwell, Andrew Caldwell's child daughter who was killed in a horrific accident when her dress caught fire in the kitchen downstairs. We left small offerings for her, and as we were leaving, I caught a recording of a little girl's voice saying, Good night. Learning more about mediumship and the spirit world in recent years, I've had to learn to let go of a lot of automatic fear. 
we are conditioned to fear the spirit world in so many ways. From certain religious frameworks, to media and horror movie tropes, I've realized the extent of the limiting beliefs I've had to dismantle in order to open myself up to experiences I know I'm supposed to be having. I believe that the natural world, as well as the spirit world, can interact with us directly in our dreams while we're in that relaxed, receptive state. Andy Fisher, who wrote Radical Eco-Psychology, which I could do a whole episode on and probably will, has this to say about fear-based patterns. Quote, Our feelings do not change because we have made them unavailable for interaction, bound them off in a background that is not modified because it is not contacted by present situations. Unquote. Letting go of fear always means expansion creating space to travel, grow, and explore. My guest today brings us powerful insights into her own relationship and experiences with the spirit world and the fears she has learned to face along the way. Please enjoy my interview with Allegra Rumbaugh. All right. Allegra Rumbo, welcome to Psyche Magic. I'm so happy you're here. So happy to be here. (laughs) So Allegra is one of my dearest, dearest friends. We worked together for a couple of years at a school. Allegra is a, can I call you a science nerd? Like, are you cool with that? Like you're a huge science nerd and I love that about you. (laughs) Say that again. I said, definitely. Yes, Yes, Queen. Allegra taught science at the school that I worked at where I was a school counselor. And we were always just nerding out about just like fun, sciencey things, about witchy things, about all the things. So Allegra is also a photographer. She is a world traveler. She's always inspiring me to get out there and meet new people and try new things. So she is going to be a great guest. Thanks for being here, girl. Of course. Thanks for inviting me. Yay. Okay. So I've been pulling a tarot card just to kind of get us started and letting that kind of guide our conversation. And it's been really fun. Are you cool with that? Love it. Let's do it. So the card that jumped out is the four of pentacles. So for the listeners, this card is a depiction of a man seated in kind of what looks like a little bit of a town square area. You can see like a bustling village behind him. And he is holding one pentacle coin. He has one atop his crowned head, and then he has two below his feet. So this is a minor arcana card and pentacle suit is usually about sort of material things like the material world. So when you see this card, do you have any like associations? Does anything come up for you? Just curious. The star has some sort of like, I don't want to say it because it sounds really bad, but it almost looks like, is the star like a sign of like a demonic sort of? I'm glad you're bringing this up. No, finish (laughs) your thought and then we'll talk about that. I don't know. That's like what I thought of immediately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what it, I don't know. 
So, okay. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Allegra, because so the symbol of a pentacle, which is like a five pointed star is actually one of the main kind of core symbols of paganism and like modern paganism. And so, as we all know, a lot of those ideas around kind of like the Renaissance and the arrival of Christianity, Abrahamic religions were basically the point of all of that was to kind of put those ideas down and say that those ideas were bad, that they were evil, that there was a right way to be spiritual and religious, and that those ideas were not a part of that. All of the pagan sort of gods and their ideologies were not included in those new religious pantheons. So you are right in that that symbol got associated with quote unquote bad things. That being said- You're not crazy at all. I'm so glad that you brought it up because I think that a lot of listeners and other people who see that symbol, they have that snap association and they don't even know why. Just like you were saying is, I I don't, I don't know why I feel this way. I just have, I just, this just came up. And so what's interesting is that the pentacle, actually the five points of the star, the top of the star represents spirit. And then each of the four points represent the four elements. So water, fire, earth, air, and that's all a pentacle is. (laughs) I like that a lot more than demonic. (laughs) Right? Doesn't that feel better? Um, And that's interesting, Allegra, because obviously it's a little bit of a spoiler alert for the listeners, but I know that some of what we're going to be talking about is experiences and dreams that have to do with the spirit realm and experiencing things that can feel a little bit scary on the surface. And so there's an interesting thought there about kind of breaking down some of that automatic negative assumption and looking at it a little bit more objectively, which I think could be interesting, you know? Yeah. Okay. So four of pentacles, we'll keep that in mind. Thank you for your just kind of like honest observation. I totally dig that. All right, girl. So your living world has been travel, right? Like I've been following along, you've been traveling. So tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll get into a little bit of the dream world. Yeah. So I actually just got back from hiking a bunch of different parks. Yes. Uh, It was Totally amazing. Everything I hoped for. I want to go back. <laughs> yes. Because I only got to do about a day or two in each park, which was not nearly enough, but it was like a nice little taste. And now mm-hmm. I want more. So <laughs> that was amazing. And I'm actually leaving for Europe in two days. <laughs> so, amazing. Where are you going to go? I'm flying into Venice. And so I'll be in Venice for two days and then going up to Salzburg. Austria and then Munich, Germany, and then Lucerne, Switzerland. I'm like speechless. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds heavenly. It's going to be amazing. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And that's been my world lately. Which exactly. Amazing. I feel so lucky. Yes. Yes. It's incredible. And so a lot of the sort of purpose of this travel for you has been like capturing photographs. Is that right? Definitely. And also I feel, I think many people can relate, but I've just felt so stuck since COVID and I'm someone who likes to get out of the country at least once a year. Cause I think traveling is honestly the best way to humble yourself and the best way to educate yourself. And so not being able to do that for so long, I was feeling so like, ah, like I need to get out of here. And so this is my first trip out of the country since COVID Obviously, I did the national parks, which is domestic travel, but, you know, I wasn't 
satisfied completely with that. So obviously country too, <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, I'm really, really excited because I've been to Venice before, but I've never been in Germany or Austria or Switzerland. So yeah, completely new cultures and it's going to be super fun. I'm nodding my head vigorously. I love what you said about travel feeling like a humbling experience. Oh, so humbling. A really beautiful way to put that. Mm-hmm. And then just what about like kind of your relationship to dreams historically? Like, have there been themes that were really meaningful to you? I know there have. I'm just asking that question in a proper way, but I know there have. What we really should talk about, because this is what we always talk about. Yes. Is the spooky stuff. Yes. And I've had a few dreams that have involved ghosts or loved ones that have passed on. I don't, I wouldn't say that they're, they happen often, but I've had like two or three, but there have all, you know, there's been really spooky things that have happened in my apartment and there have been dreams related to that, which I think are. Yes. I mean, it's, it's it's fascinating. interesting, And it's kind of scary at the same time. I know. But. So set this up for us. So tell us about the apartment itself. And then we'll talk about the dreams that have happened there. Yeah, I'll try and set the scene. So I'm moving to this apartment in Nashville in 2017. Brand new building. I didn't really suspect anything was too weird at first. I mean, there were some weird things. Like the first time I ever showered, (laughs) Mm. I came out of my shower and I'm living alone. So I'm like, I don't need to close the door to my shower. Why would you? the windows in my bedroom and I remember coming out in my towel and seeing all these weird consecutive circles on my window and that was the first thing that I was like huh that's kind of odd what did they look like like describe like how you experienced them circle they were all different sizes there were I think there were three of them and they had lines coming from the center of the circle going out I don't know how many lines but it was like almost kind of like, I don't want to say spider web because they didn't have any other concentric circles within the circles, but it was just a circle and lines coming out. And my thought was maybe this is like the leftover part of a, a decal. Yeah. Window. This is a brand new building. I didn't think anything of it. But you're literally a month or two before I moved out this past June, I saw them again. Wow. <laughs> and it's been years. So. Wow. I don't, and I've cleaned the windows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So at this point, it's last three, four years, you know, what did you make of that? Like, how did you feel in those moments? Well, the first time I kind of waved it off because I thought it yeah. was decal. The second time I already knew this place was haunted. So I was like, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're uh, in a totally different place with it by then. Yeah. Because when weird things first started happening. So the first time I really noticed there were weird things was actually my dog. She Mm -hmm. was that's right. Eight or nine weeks old. And I came out into the living room and there is a concrete pillar kind of built into the wall by my front door. And she's like a nine week old puppy. And so, you know, she's pretty derpy, but (laughs) she, I find her sitting two inches away from this concrete pillar staring into it and she's not moving she's not doing anything and I think that's a really odd behavior <laughs> for a nine-week-old puppy any really. but uh, from that moment after I called her name she ran into my lap 
and sat there shaking and staring at the pillar for the next hour. And I was like, what did you see? (laughs) It's a concrete pillar. So that was pretty odd. And then things just started happening. Like I remember sitting in bed and I had Mardi Gras beads sitting on my, or hanging on my doorknob. And I looked up and they were just swinging. And I was like, did I touch the door recently? Now it's been at least five minutes, maybe 10. I'm sitting in bed reading, you know? So this caught my eye after a while. And I'm like, what? Okay, that's weird. Another time sitting in bed reading, I look over and my dog Zinnia is on her hind legs, walking around, just like just looking up at this dresser. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, all I could imagine was that woman from The Conjuring on top of the dress. <laughs> okay. Yes. This is really important because I think that framing this conversation in terms of not only the experience of what is happening, but also the images and associations that are coming up for me around what's happening. I'm getting images of scary movies, right? And it goes back to the tarot card also, because at this point, I'm definitely making assumptions based off of like what I've experienced and I'm really freaked out. The way that media portrays any kind of sort of spirit interaction as bad, scary, evil. Definitely. And, but I've now experienced more of it and I've been able to take a step back. And now I'm like so good with the ghosts in my apartment. Cause that will, this one is definitely the one that I associate. It's the bad, the bad ghost, if you will. But I have a good one too, which I'll get to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it was just so weird. For 15 minutes, my dog was looking up at this dresser, running into the bathroom. It looked like something kind of like hit her back leg, if you will, because she jumped and turned around really quick. Yeah, there's a lot of like reaction happening. things, And then she would come back in my room and go back into my living room and then come back in my room and look at the dresser and smell the air and then go back into my bathroom. Like she just kept doing this L, if you will. And it was so, so odd. But getting to the good ghost story, Mm -hmm. I was dating a gal And we were laying in bed, going to sleep. And she, she and I both heard this static radio. And for the life of me, I do not remember what it said, but it was like a transatlantic accent. And it sounded very much like they were at war. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this short, maybe five, 10 second sound of static and a voice. And so I roll over and I look at her and I'm like, are you playing something on your phone? She's like, no, I thought you were. She's like, is your laptop open? It's across the room, Mm -hmm. closed. And so we're like, that was so weird. It sounded like it was right underneath the bed almost. Like it was right here. It didn't sound like it was coming from like the neighbors. It didn't sound like it was coming from a different room. Like it was in the room with us. So that was very odd. (laughs) Fast forward several years. Well, first of all, I start calling him Colonel Morgan because yes, I'm like, oh, it's a ghost. It's a veteran. I know it. So I start calling him Colonel Morgan for some reason. So this was before you learned about what that building used to be? Yeah. Or no? well, so okay. fast forward a few years mm-hmm. and my friend tells me, she's like, I did some research and you'll never guess what your apartment, what used to be 
where your apartment complex is. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it was the Vanderbilt Veterans Hospital. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. Mind blown. Yeah. So it was also yeah. super validating. Cause I was like, I, I know that Mo, Colonel Morgan, I was like, I know he's a veteran and I know that he's, he's a good ghost and he's protecting me. Okay. Well, first of all, it's just incredible to get that kind of validation and to have like that rare ability to empirically understand that there is like an actual connection here to what's going on. That's just really kind of special and incredible. But tell me more about like how you knew that Mo was good. Like, how did you feel that? Okay. So here's the thing is there is definitely another ghost in my apartment. (laughs) That one is messing with Zen messing with girls who have stayed in my apartment. I'll get to that part. So you're saying that in that behavior, there was more of kind of like a little bit of a trickster, like energy. Just bad energy, honestly. Not good energy, but no. It was like, he let me know he was there. And when I picture him, it's like a positive, like light energy. Like he's there I mean, his role is literally to protect and serve. Good point. And so I didn't feel like threatened by him in my Mm -hmm. own space, you know, whereas this other ghost that I know that I have, I mean, I did feel threatened. Zin felt threatened. Mm -hmm. Other people have felt threatened. So, yeah. And the energy that can be left behind in a place, the residual energy is not always kind and loving because right science energy can't be created or destroyed so sometimes there's kind of a like residue like an imprint of some energy that's not kind definitely so tell us about that (laughs) my friend also goes yeah it was the veterans hospital you don't want to know what it was after that I'm like oh god so it was also I mean this is according to her research I actually never did the research myself but it was also a psych ward, the Vanderbilt psych ward. And it was apparently moved because it was too close to the campus, which makes sense to me. And in psych wards and things like that, people are so sick that they can often open portals and things. And I mean, they're just so hurt. I mean, their spirits are angry and they get left behind, you know, things like that. happen. There's just a lot of energy of pain and suffering. That was not good news. <laughs> but it made sense. And so it goes back to these dreams. We'll get into the dream. Uh-huh. So the same girl that I was dating who heard Colonel Morgan. Oh right. She also had this awful dream. And she didn't tell me about it for weeks actually because she didn't want to freak me out. <laughs> Because this is when I was first starting to experience like, oh, my apartment is actually haunted, you know, from my doorway in my bedroom, you can see both my couch to the left and my bed to the right. My living room connects to my bedroom. And so she has a dream. She's standing in that doorway and she's looking at us on the couch and we'd fallen asleep watching a movie or something. And so then she wakes up and she sees an old woman standing in the doorway. And she's watching us sleep. We weren't on the couch, we were on the bed, but. So just to pause you for a second. So she wakes up as in she's no longer dreaming at this point, or she wakes up in the dream. She wakes up and is no longer dreaming. Got it. And sees a figure in the doorway of an old woman who's looking at us sleeping. 
sleep paralysis. I don't know, but it's too coincidental because of the next part of the story. Exactly. This continues. So yeah. yeah. So over a year and a half later, another woman I'm seeing, mm-hmm. I actually wake up to her shaking and I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And she won't talk about it. And so the next day I asked her, I'm like, what's, you know, what's going on? What did you dream about? What freaked you out so much? And she tells me, and mind you, I have not told her anything about the, the previous dream that had been had. So, but she tells me that she had a dream that there was an old woman standing in the doorway and she came over and started strangling her in the bed. <laughs> But then it flashes to her being in a grocery store and she's just trying to do her shopping. But every time she looks over her shoulder, this woman's getting closer and closer and closer until she flashes back to being in my room. And the woman says, remember me and starts strangling her again. And then she woke up. So the fact that this same old woman is standing in my doorway and harassing two <laughs> separate girls that have stayed at my apartment. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. <laughs> and there's definitely some like a very pained spirit here. Yeah. Who, I don't know. I mean, she hasn't really bothered me, but she's bothered people that people and my dog <laughs> been in my apartment. Mm-hmm. So just very, very interesting. And that kind of, that's why it made sense that, oh, this was definitely, yeah, this was a psych ward before too. Got it. I know the statement like hurt people, hurt people is coming up in my mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. And I, I don't think they mean to, because, you know, it makes you think about the story. Like what did this spirit experience that makes her want to act this way or treat people that she doesn't even know it this way, you know? Yeah. Like what is that? I don't know. Wait, say that again. So do you think that she thinks she's doing the right thing? Like it's, it's see, that's an interesting perspective. I'd be curious. Like, is there more you want to say about that? Well, I almost wonder if she, because Mo took on this protective role. I know. I almost wonder if she somehow thought she was taking on a protective role too. That's really interesting, Allegra. I have chills actually. Yeah, I do too, <laughs> which usually I feel like means that it's right. <laughs> there's there's just an element there of feeling into something that feels important. Yeah. And I, so I do truly think that, I mean, whoever this spirit is, I don't think that they were necessarily trying to hurt someone. Quote unquote evil. Yeah. But I think that they maybe had the perception that they were helping, even though it was not the case. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Let's learn about an A-list dream. In honor of Allegra's scientific background, 
I thought we could look at a dream that gave way to a major scientific breakthrough and the Nobel Peace Prize in Medicine in 1936. Dmitry Mendeleev's Periodic Table of the Elements. In 1867, when Mendeleev began writing Principles of Chemistry, he set out to organize and explain the elements. At the time, elements were normally grouped in two ways, either by their atomic weight or their common properties, such as whether they were metals or gases. Mendeleev's breakthrough was to see that the two could be combined in a single framework. Mendeleev was said to have been inspired by the card game known as Solitaire in North America and Patience elsewhere, which I love, by the way. In the game, cards are arranged both by suit, horizontally, and by number, vertically. To put some order into his study of chemical elements, Mendeleev made up a set of cards, one for each of the 63 elements known at the time. Mendeleev wrote the atomic weight and the properties of each element on a card. He took the cards everywhere he went. He carried on for three days and nights, forgetting the train and continually arranging and rearranging the cards in various sequences until he noticed some gaps in the order of atomic mass. As one story has it, Mendeleev, exhausted from his three-day effort, fell asleep. He later recalled, quote, I saw in a dream a table where all the elements fell into place as required. Awakening, I immediately wrote it down on a piece of paper. Unquote. He named his discovery the periodic table of the elements. Only later in one place did a correction seem necessary. Now, back to my interview with Allegra Rumbo. so glad that you are open to talking about this. And I think it's so interesting, Allegra, because the first time that you and I had some of these conversations as these things were unfolding, I remember that we both had much more of an like afraid kind of uh, gut reaction of just, oh, scary, like bad, right? Like I remember us both having that experience and it's so interesting to revisit the conversation now and see and feel into the fact that I think we've both done some work around that fear. At least I know I have, like I've I've been learning a lot about the spirit world and mediumship and things that I will be talking about more as time goes on. But a big thing that I'm unlearning is that automatic assumption of anything in the spirit world being scary, bad. Like I've had to do a lot of unlearning of just automatic fear. Oh, definitely. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is like, it's almost like a powerfulness, like a powerful connection that you feel to the other side. Cause I've gone to mediums and I've had experiences where I've been like, Oh my gosh, this feels so powerful and so real. And it's just taking that. And because my automatic reaction to that, like you said, was kind of a fear. Well, you had the conjuring the image from the movie, like these things that we've been conditioned right in like media and stories. Yeah. But it's taking that instead and thinking about how, how amazing is it that we can communicate with spirits on the other side and that we can have these experiences because I've had experiences with 
loved ones who have passed on. My cousin, she visited me in a dream and we got to spend one last day together and it was amazing. And I mean, I woke up and my whole body was shaking, crying because dream ended. We were having a conversation and I was like, just come back. And she was like, you know that I can't, you know, that this, like, I was here to spend this last time with you. And she's like, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm so glad we got to spend this time together kind of thing. But we both, we both have tears in our eyes as we're, as we're talking about this. How old were you when that happened? So she actually, she's probably the person I was like, I I haven't had a tremendous amount of loss in my life, Mm -hmm. but you know, I've lost two grand or three grandparents now. Mm-hmm. And she was, so she was my cousin. She's actually is technically my dad's cousin. And so I actually spent uh, several weeks with her in Roatan, Honduras, where she lived. Okay. And I spent several weeks with her when I was 16. She passed when I was, I think, 19. Okay. So, I mean, obviously known her all my life. She was in her 40s, I believe, mm-hmm. when she passed. But she's definitely the person that I was closest to that has passed. So it was really, really hard for me. I mean, my grandparents, of course, it was hard, but Mm. it was, you know, I knew it was coming and they were in their 90s, you know, and my cousin, I'm like, she was 40 and it was unexpected. And I had spent so much time, like, you know, just kind of like playing with her. Absolutely. And so, like, she was, you know, my cousin, we were kids, even Mm -hmm. though she's, but you know we had this like childlike relationship okay. and, and it was so fun and so just that shock and I know. There's a element there because I've heard stories like this. I've heard stories like this from clients who lost someone suddenly. And that person, it's like the same story. Like they'll visit in a dream and they will spend a day together. And so I wonder if it's okay, would you mind telling us a little bit about like what that looked like? Like, what was it like to spend a day? Like, what did that feel like? I mean, the dream felt way longer than I feel like a normal dream, which was even the fact that you call it a day, like we spent a day together. And honestly, I didn't write it down. I should have. And I don't remember everything that we did, but for some reason I'm getting an image of us like hiking a waterfall. (laughs) Like we were definitely at some point down in Roatong, like where I visited her and spent time with her. And we were, you know, just being outside and, while I was down there, I actually was doing an internship at Roton Institute of Marine Science, and I was working with a bunch of dolphins and stuff. Um, so that's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and so that's why I was staying with her is because it was a short walk to the Marine Institute. And then I got to spend all this time with her, you know. So we definitely did something like kind of outside. It was like jungly. I don't even remember, honestly, everything we did. I remember kind of that, but I, and I remember our conversation at the end where she was telling me that it was okay and she, that I knew that she couldn't come back. Wow. And this was our, our last time together. And Wow. But to get to have conscious awareness and understanding of that from like a closure perspective, of yeah. like this is the last day that we get to spend together. Like we know that. Yeah, it was interesting because I feel like there also was this is just me listening to your past podcast, <laughs> but there was some lucidity there because I knew that this was a dream. Really? And I had 
conversation with her and I was like, I know that this is like just a dream and this is just us spending our last time together. But like, I'm like, I still wish you could come back. Of course. You know? Of course. And you got to, you got to express that to her yeah. in that moment. Like you got to just have that feeling. Yeah. And obviously it was like, it felt so real because, and that's how I think that like, I know that it was real is because I woke up physically crying, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. I haven't had a visit from her since, mm-hmm. but that's also like, it was our last day and like, we'll see each other again. <laughs> it was made clear and it was explicit and it was, I mean, it sounds like it was beautiful. It sounds like it was a really, really beautiful experience. It was, it was really great day. Wow. Yeah. When I hear stories like this, I'm just blown away. And I go back to something that you said earlier, which is how like beautiful and miraculous that these types of interactions can happen like between worlds and that love goes on. Oh, absolutely. And going off of that, I have another, this was my first ghost dream ever. Remember when I was super young, Actually, they were my parents' really good friends, but we were all like good family friends because I'm a twin yes. and which is your twin podcast was oh, amazing. Good. <laughs> I know we should like follow up about that for sure. <laughs> no, but I'm a twin and they have kids that are my age, a boy and a girl twins. And so when we were, I believe it was 2005. So we were like 10, 11 their father was very very sick he actually had what's called louis body oh yes my grandmother had the same thing it's a form of dementia and your body just really deteriorates and it's so sad to watch but we were 10 years old and i remember him like picking me up in his bw bug but like slowly i just saw less and less of him eventually he passed and it was it was really sad, but I also, I didn't know him that well because I was 10 right. and, you know, he was my friend's dad and he was really sick most of the time that I knew him. So I didn't see much of him, but shortly after he passed, I started having these dreams three nights in a row. I was 10. So they were very scary to me. It was me sitting in a classroom and I'm trying to look at the blackboard and I'm trying to focus, but he suddenly, it's kind of like, again, like a kind of a scary movie sort of thing, but he pops up next to my teacher and then he disappears and he's in the desk next to me. And then he disappears and he's standing over my desk. Like it was like, he kept popping up and I'm trying to focus on school and I can't focus because he keeps popping up and then disappearing, getting really freaked out. And so this happens for three nights in a Mm. row. And I finally, I tell my mom about it. I'm like, this is so scary. His wife was at my house. Okay. And so I tell her and I'm like, Hey, your husband has been in my dreams for three nights. And I mean, I'm 10. So it was probably not as eloquent as that. Exactly. Like, Hey, but I told her and I was like, he's trying to tell me something, but I cannot hear him. So is that what you were experiencing in the dream? Yeah. He was trying to tell me something, but I was trying to focus one, two, I was scared. Three, he was trying to say something, but I couldn't hear him. Wow. And so I finally told her and I was like, he's trying to say something. 
I'm pretty sure he wants me to tell you guys that he loves you. And I didn't have any more dreams after that. Wow. So yeah, it was kind of terrifying (laughs) as a 10 year old, but it's kind of like, now it's kind of cool. I look back and I'm like, wow, I actually sent a message for him. Exactly. And like, that was, that was kind of a mediumship (laughs) experience. Wait, say that again. I said, how amazing is that? That I was able to send a message from the spirit world, like to when I was 10. It's incredible. I understand that at the time you didn't have the kind of constructs or like the knowledge that you needed to like make sense of that experience. So I understand why it was really confusing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you still found a way to be able to kind of step up to the plate and like make this moment happen, even as a (laughs) 10-year-old. Well, it's also interesting because I feel like when you're younger, you are more open to receive things like that. And I kind of wish, I think that I am open to it, but some part of me also, like I'm older now. So it's like, you have been closed off to this. And I'm like, I just want to like, I want to experience these things more. (laughs) Yeah. Even just the fact that you're saying that out loud now makes it so, makes it open, makes it known. It's so interesting that that dream happened in the context of school and in the context of like trying to pay attention to like this realm and that there was this very clear indication that it's like, no, I need you to pay attention to this other thing now. And that is like the hardest thing I think about opening up these sensibilities and sensitivities is that we have to be able to detach from the kind of like material present, the like sort of logical and like action oriented way of moving through the world and instead just get really receptive. Yeah. Like it's all about just like receptivity. And so it's interesting that in that dream, you were being pulled in that direction. Like, no, no, leave the things that, you know, leave everything that, you know, and open yourself up to this completely unknown thing. Yeah. And I'm also kind of remembering, and I could be wrong. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Who knows? I was 10. Memory is weird. When I said that I couldn't hear him, I almost wonder if it was because I wasn't being receptive. And like, I kind of am remembering him speaking, but it almost sounded like he was like speaking underwater. And so I wonder if, if I just turned and looked at him in my dream and was receptive and was like, what are you trying to say? If it would have come through clear or I don't know. Like it, I have chill. I have chills again. <laughs> oh, me too. Feel it. <laughs> yeah. Super cool, Allegra. I think you're, I think you're really, I think you're really tapping into something. Definitely. So it makes sense that you're open and vulnerable to all of these things. And that's actually why I started sleeping with a tourmaline crystal by my bed and selenite because I was a little too open to it. And I was getting terrible migraines and like not sleeping well. And whatever was in my apartment actually was kind of messing with me on that energy level. Mm -hmm. We have to have boundaries even with the spirit world. And that's the thing is you have to tell them like, I am open to receiving you, but I am going to keep this boundary, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have Mm -hmm. that (laughs) and I'm getting better at it working on both with spirits and with with people. (laughs) 
Just across all planes. Yeah. Boundaries are good. I'm working on boundaries. (laughs) Good for you, girl. Me too. Actually, it's really interesting because I think I told you when I was in Sedona last week, I went and I saw a psychic. I got my aura read, but I also saw a psychic. And that's one of the things she said. And she was like, you are so kind. And she's like, you're kind, not just your friends, but like anyone that you meet on your street. And she's like, but you need to work on boundaries. She's like, it's a problem for you. And I was like, how'd you know? (laughs) You're like, okay. Yeah, that's that like that checks out. Telling me so I should work on it. <laughs> it's just more validation of what you already know. Oh, it was such a validating reading. It was insane. But I love when it can feel that way. Yeah. It's like this person isn't necessarily like in a position of power over me. They're just reflecting what what I already can feel. Yeah, and it's kind of like, okay, this is the energy that I'm putting out and she's yeah. doing that and like my spirit guides are telling her exactly what's happening too and it's coming back to me and I'm hearing everything that I'm already doing. Like you're on the right track. Perfect. <laughs> it was so validating. Oh, this was so fun, Allegra. Thank you for just being so open about these experiences that I know can be tricky to talk about. It was really, it was so moving for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being so easy to talk to. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. I'm glad you feel that way. You're awesome. I hope I get to see you very soon. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that the listeners are going to love it. I hope so. Tell us real quick. So if anybody wants to kind of follow along with your work and find you, where can they do that? Yeah, you can definitely follow my Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my travel pictures. That's at Allegra Hutton. So A-L-L-E-G-R-A-H-U-T-T-O-N. And if you find me there, there's also a link to my photography website. So you'll be able to see that, which is, I mean, I love it. (laughs) Hopefully you guys love it too. Uh, because it's amazing. Um, yeah, everybody go check it travel out. Travel photography, which is, I mean, I love capturing things that not a lot of people get to see because I do recognize that I'm so blessed that I get to travel so much and getting to capture all of those moments is just amazing to me. And I hope that other people find it intriguing as well. But yeah, so that's where you can find me. And it's allegrahutton.com actually. And yeah, that's that's it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Allegra. I really appreciate you. That was awesome. This is a meditation for releasing fear. So begin by finding a comfortable seat. If you're doing this before bed, you may want to lay down. Just feeling the weight of the body supported, held by whatever position you've chosen. Beginning with just a few slow, Deep breaths. Feeling the air moving in through the nose. 
Noticing just the gentle lifting. The rise and fall. And as you settle in, just focusing your mind on any fear that has been arising lately. Noticing that so many of our fears have assumptions about always and never. Noticing that we fear permanence and stuckness. When in fact, our experience is changing moment to moment, even in subtle ways, if we can slow down enough to notice. So just staying with the breath. Tuning in to the fear that's been around lately. And then when you're ready, just resting a palm over the heart center. Maybe you start to feel your heartbeat. Noticing just that soothing rhythm. The energy center of the heart is the doorway to spirit, compassion, and the antidote to fear. So just inwardly connecting to this center. As you do, just notice whether your experience is changing, whether the breath is slowing down. Noticing any sensations in this heart area. So there may be warmth or tingling. There may be weight. There may be just calm, clarity, peace. From this sort of secure heart place, knowing that spirit begins within, Just starting to kind of gently extend that consciousness, that feeling outward through the body. With each breath, just letting it expand. Letting that personal power start to branch out. 
from this loving and centered place. Just bringing an intention of one fear that you would like to begin to release. It may be helpful to start with something small. Sometimes we're afraid to say no, maybe to a friend. Afraid to work a little bit less. Afraid to take time for ourselves. Or you may be ready to focus on a more deeply held fear. Fear of failing at something. Fear of being alone. Choosing what feels right for you in this moment. Trusting your system to bring what's needed. Knowing that it takes courage to honestly look at fear. To surrender it. Noticing the breath. Noticing the sensation. That heart energy just moving throughout the body. And then reframing a question. So asking, how can this fear help me develop courage or help me become more free? What is the antidote to this fear? Will I be cultivating safety? Self-compassion. Kindness. And so just with that hand on the heart, inwardly repeating just an affirmation. Something like, my fear is here to protect me, but it does not hold power over me. Just choosing the words that feel right to you. Taking your time.
just breathing in love and trust that this process has already begun. Breathing out peace, security, continue this work you can keep an eye on your dreams write them down you can journal notice how this fear starts to evolve, shift fall away as always, we'll close by just taking a nice deep breath. And noticing how you feel. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you again to my guest, Allegra Rumbo. You're a ray of sunshine and your stories are truly awe-inspiring. Thank you for sharing them with us. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at Psyche underscore magic. Check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. The link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, www.psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and feel free to leave us a review if you're so inclined. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journaled out, y'all. Until next time.